This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock and thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours of music, banter and Ireland's easiest quiz. Not too easy when you're on the line and you're being asked questions in 30 seconds, 10 of them, uh, and it's 800 euros next week. This morning... As retail emerges from lockdown and some pubs and restaurants begin to reopen in the crucial run-in to Christmas, we'll be talking to John Moran, former Secretary-General of the Department of Finance and Director of the European Investment Bank, about the role of SMEs in a transformed economic landscape and what needs to be done to make sure they survive for the long term. Philip MacDonald of Detail Menswear in Carlow and Kilkenny will talk to us about how the first wave of COVID led to a transformation of his business and how things have been going since retail has emerged from its second period in lockdown over the last week. And as Kilkenny-based Cartoon Saloon releases Wolf Walkers, its latest feature film in cinema, this week, we'll be talking to the film's assistant director about the challenges of finishing a movie during COVID. But first, to cast an eye over current issues and to tell us about his business, I'm joined by Simon O'Dwyer, who's managing director of Kilkenny based 360, a B2B marketing and design company who from their base in Kilkenny work with a range of clients across a great variety of businesses and industries, not just around Ireland, but around the world. Good morning, Simon. Uh, good morning, John. How are things for you? Tell us a bit about 360. Yeah, well, we're, as you said, we're a, a, um, a branding and communications agency based in uh, Kilkenny. And um, we have, we were set up in uh, 2001. So we've been on the go for 19, nearly 20 years now. And uh, in that time, we have just kind of developed and evolved. And um, now we are lucky enough to be working with really, really great clients. Uh, some of them are based in Kilkenny, uh, some like across Ireland, and then we have also have clients in you know the US, in Switzerland, in do work over in East Africa, Tanzania, and Kenya. And uh, yeah, we would uh, in in many ways. I just think we have just been very lucky to work with great people. Yeah, tell us a bit. We'll talk a bit about your work with Kilkenny later, but just tell us a bit about some of the companies you'd be working with and and the kind of work you do with them. Yeah, so I suppose we, 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 there's two halves to our business or just kind of like a left brain, right brain thing that goes on with us that uh, at one level we're quite strategic. So we help uh, companies kind of understand their value and, and then be able to like figure out how best to structure their communications and their marketing. Uh, so that's a lot of that's a lot of thinking uh, work that goes on. And then the other side of our business is creative. So we have um, a, a team of creatives. Uh, and they do all of the kind of out, outgoing kind of marketing work. So they would be building websites, uh, developing kind of uh, presentations, uh, collateral, uh, doing events and stuff like that. So, yeah, left brain, right brain is the, is the way we kind of like to think about it. And the position of companies is changing quite a bit in society, really. It all used to be about profit, profit, profit. It's about more the environment, uh, corporate social responsibility. Does that play into the work that you do with a lot of the clients? Uh, yeah, massively, massively. Um, you know, the whole the whole idea of, of purpose-driven uh, has really come to the fore over the last few years. Uh, and then, you know, ultimately, 
business success for us is is determined by how you like engage with with, with different people or different uh, different uh, stakeholders. Uh, so you have to find the common ground with these people, and and you know most people don't really engage with your profit. Uh, you know, what they really want to engage with is things that matter to them. And, and often purpose is the thing that you can use to kind of build those connections. Yeah. Now, COVID has been a recurring theme week in, week out. I'm asking the same questions about how did you adapt to COVID? But presumably, um, you know, it, it's led to huge changes in your business as well, particularly in the way you work. Or has it? Oh, it has. Like it's it, it's 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 forced change upon us, you know. And uh, again, I'm just really proud of, of the way our team has has responded to those uh, to those changes. Um, and you know, like I think a good analogy around the whole COVID thing for for businesses is that like you know we all faced the same storms, but you know we're all in different sized boats, you know. So some people have been really badly affected by it. Uh, but other people uh, and other companies uh, have actually been able to kind of continue their business just in slightly different ways. And I think that's the difficult thing from, you know, if we look at it from a societal point of view is that, you know, the impact is uh, hasn't been equitable. You know, it's not everybody suffering from the same level. So, you know, you really have to feel for those companies in those sectors that, you know, have been kind of decimated, you know, and I, I just really hope that with the vaccine and you know, stuff coming through that, you know, 2021 will allow those companies and I'm, I'm really de- dealing with like the hospitality sector, like tourism sector. Yeah, um, an interesting uh, analogy there. Will allow them to kind of come back, at, you know. Yeah, sorry, line dropped there yeah. for a second, uh, Simon. An interesting analogy on, on the boats and the storms, because sometimes in a storm, a big boat isn't the place to be. You have more manoeuvrability in a smaller boat. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that little bit of agility, you know. Um, uh, but you know, I suppose if we look at some of the clients that we work with in Kilkenny, that we're, we're very lucky to do a lot of work with uh, Glambia, and Glambia obviously being an essential service, uh, they were able to, you know, they their importance actually came to the fore, and they're just a great, they're like they're ve- even though they're very big, their teams are very agile, you know. So it was nice to be able to see even big companies being able to respond very, uh, very kind of cleverly and smartly. Yeah. Now speaking of Kilkenny, you've been involved and in, and the agency has been involved for a long time uh, with the Kilkenny brand, and you were involved in a rebranding exercise which has been rolled out at the moment for Kilkenny. Tell us about. That. Yeah, so that's that was probably like one of the highlights of the year for us when we when we look back. Uh, really, you know, we were invited by the county council just to pitch for for a job uh, that would look at kind of building a unified brand for Kilkenny, and uh, and obviously that's something that we'd we'd be really passionate about. Um, and so we got involved in a process there that was really interesting. We got to meet and talk to lots of different people from lots of different areas of, of business and, and community. And, uh, you know, what we, the objective or the purpose of that piece was really, you know, to take all of the little different strands that exist about Kilkenny, you know, so all of the really good stuff. So, you know, you're dealing with our, our historical um, buildings, our culture, you know, our arts, our craft, our design heritage, our, our business uh, community, trying to take all of these different strands and, and weave them into a uh, coherent story. Yeah, I was lucky enough um, to be present at one of your presentations when you were kind of uh, showing to some stakeholders the results of the research. I found the research really fascinating. Can you give us an insight 
into the things that you found out about the way people perceive Kilkenny, the way they think about Kilkenny and the way they want to develop Kilkenny? Well, you know, the, the over the over kind of arching kind of like insights that came from that were actually a little bit about pride, you know, that uh, like all of the different people we spoke to were like so proud uh, to be part of to be part of Kilkenny. And what we wanted to do really is just be able to project that out to, to other people. Yeah. So, you know, the things that really came to the fore were, you know, the fact that, you know, we've got this huge opportunity for tourists to like experience history. So not just look at it. Uh, we've got this great festival culture. So again, that's about like uh, people, like-minded people coming together to congregate. So that's kind of like a, a very strong kind of community piece. We've got great, the, the creativity part of it, you know. So, you know, <coughs> Kilkenny has this huge uh, creative heritage coming back from like the design workshops in the, in the 1970s. We're home of the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland. I mean, we've got the, you're an upcoming guest there from uh, the Cartoon Saloon. You know, uh, we've got all of these craft makers. And um, so we have this like strong creative culture. And then we've got this like really dynamic business community as well. So we're home to some fantastic companies of all different sizes, you know. So again, you know, the insights I think were really that we have all of these kind of strong attributes and what was missing was, you know, the the ability to uh, kind of like put, parcel them up into a story. So there's a really good uh, Groucho Marx quote, which is like, you know, we were playing all of the right notes, just not in the right order. Yeah. And and so tell us structure. Yeah. So so the structure, tell us the outcome of that structure and the kind of direction then that all the work on developing the brand is going to bring brand Kilkenny over the next couple of years. Yeah. So again, you know, we, we, we have like great stories to tell. And, and really what we wanted to do was to create a place, a single place, uh, which is Kilkenny.ie, that website where this story would be told. And, you know, the key outputs really were, you know, to position Kilkenny in a way to to both ex- like potential investors, like so potential businesses who might be thinking of moving into Ireland, we wanted them to choose Kilkenny, and then potential tourists, so people who are thinking of coming to Ireland, so very much an external market, that they would choose Kilkenny. So we came out with like two key kind of outputs from that from a messaging point of view. The first one was, you know, this idea of come see, come do. So Kilkenny, come see, come do. So this this invitation for people to come here, but you don't just come here to look at us. We don't just come here to, to see the castle. We want you to come here and, and do things. So do business, do the things that you love to do. And then the second piece was around, you know, again, looking at an external market was that actually Kilkenny has and offers the best of Ireland. Now, we're not saying that is it is the best in Ireland because that's quite a claim. But what we're saying is that, you know, if you if you want to experience Ireland, if you want to experience our culture and our history and our people, you know, then Kilkenny is the place, the best place to come to do that. So Kilkenny, the best of Ireland. And then this invitation, Kilkenny, come see, come do. Uh, very interesting and, and, and really great work. As I said, I, I was delighted to be able to see it and uh, the public will be seeing it ro- rolling out at the moment. Uh, Simon, um, in conclusion, I, I was looking at a blog on your site, which is We Are 360. Um, uh, you're pretty optimistic about the future and, and you think Kenny has a lot of reasons to be cheerful. Oh, listen, <coughs> again, from, from adversity, you know, uh, sh- should come positivity. Uh, so, like, even I, I know we, uh, we're, we're kind of neighbours uh, on the parade, John. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, I think that the council have done amazing work on the parade uh, this year. Um, uh, when we go out in the evening now, it, like all of those seats are full. Um, you know, so I think that there's a kind of a re-emergence of, you know, uh, people back out onto the street. And and I know the councillor doing great work in uh, with the Abbey Quarter and there's going to be more public spaces there. We have that fantastic linear park uh, where the old swimming pool used to be. Uh, so, you know, I think from at a societal level, a cult, like a culture level, uh, we're, we're seeing people come out and, and, and enjoy our city more. And then on the business side, again, you know, we've seen a huge amount of innovation. Some of it has been has been forced um, upon us. Uh, so more innovation, more transformation. And I think that 2021 is going to be the year where all of that starts to bear fruit. Well, so say all of us. Thanks very much for joining us uh, this morning, Simon. That's Simon O'Dewar from 360. Uh, You can check out his website, weare360.com. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to a former Director General of the Department of Finance. It's just 21 minutes after nine o'clock. You're listening to The Bottom Line. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. The heart of two counties. We are indeed Casey Law. It's 23 and a half minutes after nine o'clock. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. I'm joined on the line by another John, John Morn, former Secretary General of the Department of Finance and also a former Director of the European Investment Bank. And during the heat of the first COVID crisis, he chaired an organisation called SME Recovery. And we had John on the show uh, back in the early uh, part of COVID part one I suppose John how are you this morning good thank you John and you know I think it's a great opportunity to, to be able to talk to you again uh, yeah absolutely now when we talk uh, talked first um, my sense of it was that we were in it in the kind of grips of uncertainty and what was going to happen and you were banging the drum very loudly that the government needed to take notice of SMEs and the importance of them. My sense is that the message got through loud and clear. We're, we're kind of coming out of our second lockdown. There is a vaccine on the horizon. How are you feeling about where we're at at the moment in the country? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, look, things are still difficult and I think that's probably one of the and I don't want to be saying this in the, in the middle of December as people are facing into Christmas and lots of people are managing lots of different problems. But I think it's the reality is is that we still don't know what's going to happen in, in 2021. It could be a series of, of restrictions and various things, which, of course, makes life more and more difficult because what's happening here is, you know, SMEs went into this crisis, some strong, some less strong. And each time we have a, a set of lockdowns, it, it causes problems, particularly in the retail and, and area. And I think tourism is going to have a, probably a very difficult 2021 as, as well still. But but at the same time, I think thanks to yourself and others who, who gave us a platform for, as you described it there earlier, banging the drum, I think the message got through. And, and that's been really heartening for a lot of us and for a lot of SMEs. The, you may recall when we first spoke, the first message we had to try and get across because it wasn't really appreciated is just how vital SMEs are to our local fabric. And and that's, without any doubt, that that's gotten through. And I think that's led to so many important initiatives, the the, the consciousness in, in other people's minds to shop local, to, to 
to be buying a book to not necessarily run to Amazon or one of the big providers straight away, but to think if your local shop has it. That, that kind of important message got through and I think then it fed through to government as well but just as importantly I think everybody locally became conscious so you're saying a little word to their local shopkeeper as well just to let them know that they care and, and they and they want them around Yeah, uh, now we've talked a lot on the, this programme about change and how fast change has come, that was by necessity but there are opportunities and need for a different way of of approaching problems I suppose <coughs> and you have um, a think tank I suppose is the best uh, word for it, RHH International and just this week you organised a major uh, event um, about uh, mortgages and, and so on but uh, even more interesting from my point of view is the way you went about it. Uh, tell us about how you think we need to change debate about the future and how, how we need to engage with difficult subjects. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, what we, what we in effect launched this week was something that I've been probably thinking and talking about for, for almost two years now. Um, the SME recovery point brought home something really strongly to me, which I suppose had had been there since I moved back to Limerick in Dublin, that the do people that are making the policy for the country, if they grow up, they live or they, you know, work most of the time in, in the capital, really understand what's happening down in, in you know, Kenny, where you are over here in the, in the Midwest. And, and so what we did in the last couple of days, and we really did it only in about a before-week, period, which of course is an acceleration that pre-COVID we would never have believed possible, is to essentially have a huge debate or a big debate with a lot of very interesting speakers about this problem of long-term mortgage arrears, which of course hasn't gone away and now we have people dripping back into into, into difficulties again. And, and, and that one has just sort of fallen away from the public consciousness a little bit and of course it's still really painful for 20,000 or so people or more in, 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 in arrears for over you know, over five years and things like that. But, but the important thing was <clears throat> that because we were using effectively a virtual platform, it wasn't a case of needing to buy a building or go and find a hall uh, and set it all up. I mean, a, a, a new business in Dublin that essentially had retransformed itself in terms of their ability to use Zoom and broadcast stuff was able to get us online and, and operational within a matter of two or three weeks. A local designer here designed the logo and I got some speakers across the area. And that was the phenomenal thing about it. It was so much easier to get speakers because all you really needed was an hour of their time. So they were much more efficient. They didn't need to travel to Limerick. They didn't need to travel somewhere else. Yeah. And, and ergo the debate. Now we have a report that we're going to send up to, Dub- to, to Dublin, I was going to say, to, to government to say, look, there are new innovative ways of dealing with that crisis as well. Yeah, um, and one of the things I, I noted from looking at your panels of speakers would be that there was a kind of juxtaposition of people who were at opposite ends of the scale. And normally uh, when you see them uh, on television or on radio programmes, they're knocking seven shades of sparks out of each other and it, it tends to be kind of shouting uh, and roaring and it's hard to make sense of it. How did it go for, for the format that you introduced? Was there skin and hair flying on the Zoom calls? Well, we were really anxious to have a a kind of, you know, a forum and create a forum where one of the rules is mutual respect. I mean, everybody has their own points of view, but you have to recognize everybody else's. And the other point about it was that we also wanted the debate to be rooted in evidence rather than in emotion. Um, and so we had some 
sort of, I guess you call them, you know, plans earlier and, and, and we ran through dress rehearsals almost and every time people started to drift away from evidence we insist on that but by putting a very good economist on both panels as well any time the chair felt they needed to, to check stuff they had somebody right there to do it and actually I thought it worked really well everybody you know engaged in the debate went through stuff and, and had been shared in advance I suppose the other thing we did was we produced the policy paper uh, with a solution that we thought might work. So rather than just everybody dating their, their positions, they were particularly focused on, well, would this new solution work and what was different to it and what were the problems? And so it was more of a problem-solving exercise than, than just a sort of a, a TV show where people felt that they could do their points. But I think the Zoom impact also helps because I suppose if nothing else you can always mute somebody if they're getting out of order. <laughs> we didn't need to do that but the threat was there. Yeah. But it meant people didn't probably have the same emotional sort of, you know, rouse because they weren't sitting next to each other. You know, so maybe it's a, maybe it's a good form. Yeah. Uh, necessity, the mother of invention and the, exactly. the mother of uh, improvement maybe sometimes as well. Now talk to me a bit about the work that you've done down in Limerick where you produced a very interesting report about um, what needs to be done to support Limerick SMEs through challenging times. But I've had a read of the report and it seems to me that a lot of the conclusions and principles could be applied anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is sort of what's happening, I suppose, more and more in my life in terms of what happens since COVID. Is, and it was on a little bit beforehand, but I think it's probably come true to me more than anything else as we, as we re-find how our country works, is that, is that we, we have a national government which, which really should set national policy. But I think the implementation of policy and how that's done to take account of local factors is something where we have to, in fact, delegate that back down to the regions and to the cities a lot more. And so during the course of the the SME recovery uh, plan, one of the things we really were, were sort of, you know, as a priority was to talk to local businesses and local councillors so they understood the problem. And one of those trips was to the, the, the SBC, which is like a subcommittee of the Limerick councillors to look at economic matters. So as we got towards... The, I think it was just post the budget, they, they asked us to come back in again to give another presentation about where we felt things were and what had improved and, and what was still needs to be done. And the conversation became a, a very positive analysis of what could be done locally in Limerick to help Limerick businesses, um, as opposed to just shouting to Dublin all the time and saying, well, well we need this, we need that. And, and they asked me to, to commission a a short and well, a rapid fire, I suppose, because it was really only done in, a, in again, in protective form in, in, in a matter of two or three weeks of quick consultation with lots of people locally uh, to see what we could do here in Limerick and then submit that to, to national government before they came through with the national task force or the, the growth force plan that's going through at the moment. Mm. And, and that went back to the SPC only uh, two or three weeks ago. It's going to the full council this week. But it, it, it has a whole series of, of local recommendations. But I suppose the most important one, I would say, is, and hopefully it will, it will get approved by the main council, is to, 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 to empower, I suppose, if you want, the mayor of the city of Limerick, in the, or it's the city and county of Limerick, but it could be the head of any of the councils across, across the country, to, to get together a group of people, I, I call them a sort of an SME recovery task force, 
to make sure that their local businesses have a voice and indeed are moving forward and that all of the actors, whether it's the banks locally, whether it's the state um, agencies, are meeting maybe, say, once a month to really analyse are they making progress. Finally, John, um, we're coming to the end of what's been an absolutely tumultuous year. Are you feeling optimistic about 2021? Um, I tend to always be optimistic, right? I mean, I think the, what I have loved about this year, and it's been a very difficult year, is, a, is that it has reinforced in Ireland a real sense of community um, and, and looking after each other. And I think that's going to be really important because this crisis has hit some people so hard and, and other people have done okay. And I think we need to continue to build on that. I do think it has opened up massive opportunities for places like Kyle Kenny, for, for the Midwest, for the West and the South and that, because I think the, some of the blockages to, to the development of those regions have been debunked by the fact that technology is now making things possible that we would never have believed possible. And I think that's where if, we can keep focusing on that next year and allowing these regions to to do what they need to do to move forward I think I think it'll do but we have to stop these border disputes that I hear are taking back again over <laughs> in Watford Kenny you know? don't mention the war we're to work together we're to work together not against each other yeah absolutely well we leave um, we leave hurling out of it because Kenny and, and Limerick sharing a certain um, pain Ours at the moment <laughs> uh, we're also very very focused over here on, on, on Sunday week so well I guess tomorrow week you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely okay well look uh, John uh, thank you very much good to talk to you and thanks for joining us during the year and we look forward no, to catching up Thank you for all the effort of pointing a light on this over the course of the year. It was really important. Thanks a million, John. Talk to you. Uh, that's John Moran there from SME Recovery uh, talking to us about what he's been up to lately. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. Uh, John Purcell with you on the bottom line. Apologies for that bit of a glitch earlier on. Something went wrong with a pre-recorded piece of audio. And so we're going to keep the show on the road. Now, we've been talking about uh, the emergence from lockdown and 20 shopping days to Christmas. So a very challenging year it's been for retailers across Carlow and Kilkenny. And I'm joined on the line by one man who uh, had to face the challenges, but who I've spoken to at a Carlow Chamber event about how he uh, pivoted his business, I suppose. And joining me on the line is Philip MacDonald from Detail Menswear with Outlets in Carlow Kilkenny. Good morning, Philip. Morning, John. How are you? Very well. Just tell us a bit about uh, Detail Menswear. Tommy Bow figures large in it. Ah, yeah, but uh, I suppose Tommy Bow, but like as of being an independent retailer, um, we would have a lot of other brands within our umbrella. Um, I suppose we're here in Carlow 32 years and down in Kilkenny. I suppose a family presence on High Street in Kilkenny over 40 years, believe it or not. 40? But at 40 years, yeah, mm. we would have started off. My dad and a couple of brothers opened up a, a shop on uh, High Street in Kilkenny called Ace Fashions back Indeed. down on. Uh, beside the Singer sewing machine Morrissey's there on uh, High Street across from the arcade back in the early 80s and uh, um, when they opened up that um, they would have uh, started out with Billy Walsh 
from the famous Walsh family there in Kilkenny would have started with us back there in the 80s and uh, the Walsh family were with us for I'd say the guts of 30 years uh, working with our family in Kilkenny we opened up on High Street as detailed menswear 10 years now I think it is at this stage so as I said, a continuous um, uh, 40 years in Kilkenny as well as Carlo. Yeah, and tell us, what kind of, you know, what would you have learnt over the 40 years about retailing? Because for many years, retailing was just a kind of slow evolution rather than any revolutionary changes. Um, well, I suppose from our point of view, it was always on, uh, in the background to get out there and to go to trade fairs. So we were always um, educating ourselves on the next thing that was coming. So we were going to Germany to a trade fair or going to London or going to Amsterdam. So we were always investing in the background in our business and educating ourselves on where everything was moving towards. Yeah, so travel was a big part of it uh, from oh, that point absolutely. of view. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then um, the internet uh, came along to retailing but I gathered that up until Covid struck it, it wasn't a really huge part of your business selling online uh, Not selling online John I suppose um, I, we would have had a presence with our Facebook page uh, Instagram um, with directing people to our bricks and mortar so directing them to the shop itself um, our website was what we would have referred to as a kind of a landing page so basically you would go on get information about where we were location all of that with a little bit of cataloging as well maybe selling vouchers and a little bit of Tommy Bow as you mentioned already but that was the extent of it until uh, as we say lockdown and Covid <laughs> Yeah so tell us a bit about how uh, Covid actually struck the business and how you started to readapt to it? Well, I suppose it was like the, the shock of having to close your, your doors on the 18th of March. And let me tell you, like as a business owner, and, and business owners will tell you this, that it was a very emotional day. Um, as I said, we had been here continuously open, even through snow, ice, whatever it was. We tried to keep the doors open. But when you were told that you had to close your door, that's a very an emotional day. So we licked our wounds and we went home. And uh, I suppose we kind of talked for about a couple of days. And then I just said, listen, we need to kick in here. We need to get this website going. And uh, we, or I worked morning, noon and night for, I'd say, a month solid just cataloging and putting stuff up onto our website and learning and learning quick. <laughs> yeah, talk to me a bit about that resilience that you talked about. Like, it's a, it's a hugely emotional thing um, and I suppose there's two way, ways anybody can go they can kind of collapse under it or they can just keep going where did you draw the strength from because like we've learned how to live with COVID now but we didn't really know back in March April but like I suppose you look at where you come from uh, who put you in the position that you're in like my dad and mom um, as people, like, you know, you, you're never going to let them down. You, you look at your family, my wife and kids, I'm not going to let them down. You look at your staff who've been with you, my God, my staff, like, they're the best, and, like, you're not going to let them down. So you just pull from that, and you just pick yourself up, and you go. And uh, when when we had to do it, we, we, we put in the miles there in, in, in March and April. Um, it was a, a slog, don't get me wrong. As somebody asked me the other day um, here in the shop floors, it's like, what's the success of it? And I said, it is hard work, and it comes down to that. It's hard work. You have to put in the hours, you know? Yeah, yeah. So just tell us about... 
Um, the nuts and bolts of getting your business uh, transformed uh, that you did to get it online and up to a, a, a status where you were able to generate and channel significant business through your website. Um, I suppose, John, like we would have, and I'm getting a little bit technical here, we would have a WordPress um, uh, website. So the back end of our website would be WordPress. So that was up to me to learn how to log and catalog stock up onto that. But once I learned, it was it, 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 it was as quick as anything. Like we, we were logging and putting up maybe anything up to 50 items a day onto our website. So eventually by the time, like you can take it, you can look at it statistically, like with people, like the first month of lockdown, people were just at home and just feeling sorry for themselves. But literally the first week uh, or the, the last week of April and May, it just took off. Internet sales took off. And that can be um, uh, talking to a lot of other retailers. They had the same experience. Yeah. And, um, y- and your website now, I'm, I'm looking at it, uh, detailmenswear.ie. You've really got fantastic brands on it, but but it's a fully up and running e-commerce uh, thing. How did business develop and were you able to, um, you know, generate significant sales? Uh, yes. Um, now, we, I suppose you look at what you can do online through your Facebook and Instagram, and we would be very um, proactive on that and directing people towards our website that way. Um, we would run competitions, um, but always prompting people to go to our website and to look online, you know. So that was very successful for us, driving the traffic to our website. Um, I suppose um, now we have, I suppose, allocated budget to be able to advertise on Facebook now and advertise on Google now, you know. So you're actually paying for ads now to be recognized in a wider, wider area. Yeah, to generate the traffic rather than just rely on organic search, I suppose, as they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so uh, you reopened then. It's hard to recall now, but I think it was back around (laughs) June, wasn't it? It was June. It was the first week of June, uh, John, the 8th of June. Yeah, um, and a a totally transformed retail experience, really. Well, it did. And uh, I suppose the proof of that was, like, all of a sudden now we were starting to see our customers coming through the door and in their hand was their mobile phone and they were saying to us, I saw this on your website. Where's this? Where's this? You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were, they were sitting at home doing the homework on the couch and then coming into the shop and presenting what they had spotted on your website in front of you. So it was cutting down on the contact. It was cutting down on the work that you had to do in store. So all of a sudden, the tool of your website was becoming an asset to you believe it or not, in-store as well. In-store, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, the traffic worked both ways. You were kind of able to sense-check people's purchases that time as well, which which really brings the best of local knowledge to the fore in this new era that we're in. Yeah, there was uh, an incident there. We had one of our good customers uh, had purchased a couple of things online. And you just know that the fit and the size, it wasn't going to work for him. So... We actually gave him a little prompt of a phone call. We changed the size. It worked out brilliantly. So, like, you know, just having that knowledge of your customer and being able to do something like that just pays off as well, like, you know. Yeah, so so presumably, Philip, you were adjusting to the new normal across the summer and into the autumn, kids going back to school. But then the drumbeat of another lockdown started uh 
to appear. How's that been for you? And now how's it reopening um, under fresh restrictions in what's traditionally the absolutely most important quarter of the year uh, to run into Christmas? Yeah, um, I suppose it was always in the background there that we were probably going to get another uh, lockdown at some stage. So we were constantly working on our website, having that up and going. Naturally enough, when your doors open up, it does fall off a little bit, your your your, your website sales and that. But um, no, once once we got to, um, when, when we got to lockdown, it, it, we, we had the hard work done. So our, our, our website was up and running. So it was just basically getting people onto that straight away. And it just flew. It flew there for the six weeks that were closed. But don't get me wrong, like, it does not anywhere make up for the fact that your uh, doors are closed. Mm. But it does help. It really does help, like, you know? Yeah, so so your doors are open again. Um, yeah. A Christmas unlike any other. How's the first <laughs> be- first week been? Very, very good. Um, I would say that people are... We, we haven't... We. What we do at the door is if we feel or we have a point where we have too many people in the shop, it's like a nightclub. We put a little foyer rope across the door and put up a sign just to say, please wait in line for the next available slot. So we've had to do that maybe half a dozen times throughout the week. So it's just a really good flow of people uh, it's been for the week so far. Um, I suppose with us, what we've done is we've put up extended hours. So in Kilkenny, we've opened till 8 o'clock, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And here in Carlo, it was till 9 o'clock. So you're giving people that chance to get into you and give them that, that experience that they're not on top of each other. And we wouldn't let that happen anyway. Yeah, and how's the extended opening going, uh, Philip? Because I, I know it's a thing that, you know, people talk about and then sometimes it's been tried over the years and it hasn't generated footfall. How's it going this time? Yeah, but like, John, like you have to commit to something. You know what I mean? Nothing is instant. Like, you know, it's like when we started opening, I think it was 15 odd years ago on a Sunday. And it, it just needed to keep going and going and going. And you knew you would eventually get there. You know what I mean? So it's it's just the consistency of it, and you will generate it. Like here in Potato Market in Carlo, we we open, but we have an O'Brien's Wines across from us as well. So there's always traffic in the area, and that always helps, you know? Yeah. Um, We were talking about SMEs and their importance to the economy and and so on, as well as being a a fashion retailer. You are a small uh, and medium-sized enterprise. You you provide significant employment. You know, uh, businesses like yours are the backbone of of local business. How are you feeling about the, the future? And do you feel, you know, retail gets enough support from the government? Um. In fairness now, John, like this, the, the, the government have been fantastic. You know, they, they, the schemes that have been in place there for businesses have been absolutely fantastic. Um, I suppose we've been um, lucky enough that it opened our eyes to what's there available funding-wise as a small business. And we've actually went on to Enterprise Ireland had... Um, funding available for website upgrades and that. And we were lucky enough there to uh, secure up to 45,000 euros worth of a grant there for uh, the new year for um, upgrade of our website. So there is plenty out there. 
you know, and it's just for businesses to go and look with their local enterprise board or even if it's something bigger like with the Enterprise Ireland and that, you know. Mm. And your website, I must say, uh, is looking fantastic and and the fruits of the investment are hopefully beginning to pay off for you. You're looking forward to 2021, hoping it'll be a better year or what do you think? There is a vaccine on the horizon, so hopefully things are about to get better. Um, yeah, please God, like, you know, I, I'm a positive person anyway, so I, I would always see the brighter side of things. Please God, we get the vaccine rolling now, early uh, early New Year, and uh, it hopefully by the tail end of the year we'll be back going full tilt again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Philip, thanks for joining us uh, this morning, and best of luck to everybody in your stores in Carlow and Kilkenny. No problem, John. Thanks a million. A happy Christmas to everyone there. Thanks a million. Talk to you soon. That's uh, Philip. Bye, bye. bye. That's Philip McDonald from Detail Menswear in Kilkenny and Carlo talking to us about his COVID transformation. The bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie the heart of two counties. KCLR. KCLR indeed. John Purcell with you just about to start signing off now after another week. Sorry about that. Our interview with Mark Mullery, who's the assistant director of Cartoon Saloon, failed to fire. I was talking to Mark yesterday on the uh, week in which Cartoon Saloon released Wolf Walkers. So hopefully we'll get back to that. Uh, apologies uh to everyone who is looking forward to that. Just time to give a shout out if you want to get some delicious cupcakes. Uh, there's a new venture launched in Kilkenny called Cupcakes & Co. And look at uh, look them up on Facebook or Instagram. You should check out Cupcakes & Co. Kilkenny on Facebook and Instagram. And I do have to say I did try them and they're actually uh, lovely. I'm not an expert, but I know a good cupcake when I see it. Good to see uh, local business who we spoke to earlier, the um, uh, Waterford company Nearform getting a nomination for their app. We talked to them on the show a couple of weeks ago. That's all we've got time for on the bottom line. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to, you can email us at the bottom line at KCLR, or if you'd like to listen back, you can just search for the bottom line on the Apple Store, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks to our guests this week uh, Simon O'Dwyer, John Moore, and Philip MacDonald. Thanks to producer Deirdre Drummy. We'll be back next week after nine for more stories for and about business. Until then, have a good weekend, a good week, stay safe, and look after yourself. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.